Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Really 007 podcast for this special episode reflecting on the life and films of Sir Sean Connery. You can find us and listen in on iTunes and Spotify, and we're on social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. There have been a host of tributes flooding in after the sad news of Sean's death, and we intend to honour his work on the Bond films over the course of all our episodes. Tonight, we've got all our regular contributors as they each wanted to give their own reflections on Sean. Neuf à la banque. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. They say that the original is always the best, and that's certainly the case when it comes to Sean Connery as James Bond. He imbued the legendary spy with a charm, wit and suave sophistication that has become synonymous with the film series over the last 60 years and I'd wager that every man who puts on a suit secretly hopes they look as good as Sean Connery. Yet, as iconic as uh, Connery's portrayal as Bond was, it is testament to his sheer movie star wattage that his post-007 career was equally as impressive, delivering incredible performances in beloved movies such as The Untouchables, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, and my personal favourite, The Rock. Though he is gone, he will not be forgotten and leaves behind a fantastically entertaining body of work that will be enjoyed for generations. Definitely a Scottish legend, altogether all-round nice guy, and definitely, in my opinion, the sexiest James Bond. And I've found out since his death, he used to be a milkman. And, would you believe, a coffin polisher. I'm guessing that was before he was Bond. <laughs> Sean Connery, from milkman and jobbing actor to superstar. Ian Fleming created the character James Bond, but Sean Connery was James Bond, the suave, handsome, witty, hero 
who could do everything and he will be the person that millions across the world remember whenever the name of James Bond is mentioned. I think Connery will always be seen as the number one Bond for many people. For those who remember the films coming out, he was obviously the first one and had a long run. But then even for younger people, if you watch them all in order, you get used to that. Somebody once said to me, the best Bond is the person you least want to get punched by. You know, Daniel Craig is the most ripped of all the people that they've had play Bond. But when you watch You Only Live Twice, and there's that scene where he's at the shipyard and he's being tracked by uh, the, the camera pans out and he's got all these people around him. I mean, at one point he just swings and sucker punches this guy in the face. And, you know, I, it, at that point I was like, yeah, he's probably the one out of all the rest of them where you think, yeah, I'd at least want to get punched by him. He's a pretty imposing guy anyway. And then in that film as well, when he gets taken back to Osato and he's put down on, dumped down on the sofa and goes, good evening. And yeah, I mean, he carries a sofa at one point. He uses a sofa as a weapon against a pretty big guy. And ironically, it's a statue he ends up knocking him out with, but, and then having a toast, which again, perfectly embodied what the Bond character was at that time. But yeah, I think his demeanor as well, the way he played the role was perfect. Like bit of a chip on his shoulder, quite sullen. OG, I think is probably the modern way of describing him. I think certain things that just stand out to you are like the way he looks and the way he moves and the way he carries himself. He moves and all of his movements, they're so smooth and just like, he just carries himself in a way that you instantly get that women would be attracted to him, that he's dangerous, that he can, none of the um, fight scenes or anything seem like hard work for him. It's all very, very, very believable. Sean Connery and Roger Moore, my two all-time favourite Bonds, not just Bonds, in any sort of film, excited watching them. Good actor, he had charm, wit, humour attached to him. He suited the role of James Bond probably better than any others. Real big fan, and all the James Bonds that he stars in go down in my top five or six films of all time. For me, Connery is the ultimate Bond. Uh, he set the benchmark for all of his successes, and his success is there in not just numbers, but you know, the fact that they brought him back twice. But for me, what makes him the best is just his, his delivery of one-liners. Not as cheesy as uh, Moore, but he's just able to deliver those one-liners. And you know, there was, there was never a scratch on him. Just, yeah, set the benchmark for all, this, all of those bonds that we, we love now. Sean Connery, in my opinion, is the best James Bond ever and just an all-round legend. Anybody who can play that role and bring so many different attributes to it like Sean Connery did. He's quite quite talented. So and he brought to Bond masculinity, brutality, a playfulness, a gentleness at times, and definitely a charm and a wittiness. Sir Thomas Sean Connery was undoubtedly one of the greats and an absolute legend of the cinema. He will always be remembered not only as James Bond but as so much more as well. He undoubtedly defined an era and a style of cinema. He had undoubted wit and charm which he portrayed on screen in equal measure and he was undoubtedly creating many, many modern day blockbusters. And my personal favourite was he was an absolute golf addict. I think if I had to pick a favourite film and a favourite role, 
it would probably be as Jim Malone in The Untouchables. Despite arguably being a main supporting actor, I think he just adds such a level of gravitas to the role. I think a screen presence that you wouldn't be able to expect from many other actors. I think he's a perfect gentleman to have at your side. In terms of the part, I think he's the best looking for the James Bond character. There's something incredibly special about Sean Connery. He's a one-off, someone who you never really quite get to know. So there's always that fascination. So yeah, the perfect Bond. Family and friends of the show giving us their thoughts on Sean Connery. Tonight we've got all our regular contributors. We've got John, who's also doing the quiz. We've got my brothers, Math and Harry. We've got Rob Parker and we've got Chris Goldie. And... Hopefully not just for tonight. We've got uh, my wife Jennifer, who's hey. ma- making her <laughs> making her first appearance on the Really Double O Seven Pod, and yes, she's here to to honour one of her great loves, uh, Sean Connery. I'm not so sure she's uh, <laughs> as as up on the bonds as we all are, but yeah, she's going to give it a good go, aren't you, Jennifer? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Jennifer, first of all, just to introduce yourself to everybody listening. Okay. I presumably you're on this because you're married to me. Is that is that correct? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I suppose it's the default position, really. Yeah. But um, yeah, and my undying love for Sean Connery, fit. The, the older he got, the fitter he got for sure. Until recently, because he looked pretty ill, and you know that's no slight <laughs> on him. But I think he is probably or has been the most attractive in his later years. So. Even when he was like in The Rock and um, oh yeah, what else? Yeah, four. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get onto The Rock. We will. <laughs> we will talk about that. But uh, yeah, he's my favourite Bond for sure. He, what growing up? Did you see James Bond films much? Or yes, because I have an older brother who's just under four years older than me and he loved Bond, absolutely loves them all um, used to have me running around being a baddie, killing me etc so just by virtue of that I watched all the Bond films when I was really small um, and I just remember him being the, the best in my view in terms of what 
when you're little, obviously, what Bond is compared to when you're older, um, the character, he seemed better at it for me than all the other Bonds, so. I, I didn't know any of this, Jen. I didn't, I didn't either. I know. What is going on here? I have so many layers to me, Rob. You just you're more do. qualified than me for this. Can you be a regular? I mean, this is <laughs> yeah, incredible. Knows a little bit about everything. No, no. That's no, I, I really kind. don't. I really don't. <laughs> you've, did you ever watch any of the cinema? Um, no, only the recent ones with Daniel. Oh yeah, yeah. we've seen the... the last two, I think, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, Skyfall and Spectre we saw at the cinema. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you did your brothers watch them like on video though? Did they watch? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the good old VHS, um, all the DVDs, etc. And Fran obviously went to the cinema a bit like yeah. you. He loves seeing movies at the cinema as well as on TV. Whether whereas I, you know, can't be asked most of the time. <laughs> well, happily wait we... for it to. <laughs> <laughs> get on she, DVD. She falls asleep usually, listeners. Yeah. Uh, or you can get an illegal download. That's always no, a no, favourite no. of mine as well. <laughs> Tom's, Tom's not big on that for some reason. No, cut that out. The, <laughs> lo- <yeah. laughs> the law is the law. So. <laughs> no, we won't yeah. do that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. you should. It saves a lot of money. Um, well, maybe no time today. We'll come to your home screen I know that would be so good I'm desperate to see that actually because it'll be like the Irishman won't it it'll be like a three you'll do it in three sittings <laughs> yeah well contrary to what Tom will tell you because he yes I do fall asleep when watching things that's fair enough but I watched the Irishman without falling asleep and that was three hours and it was brilliant so as long as the content is good I'll watch it and I'll be awake but she did fall asleep in get out uh, after about Half an hour now. <laughs> I think it was a bit. I think it was we, a bit. We, we finished it recently, and yeah. she did like it, so it was, you know. I know, poor black people, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Good job I hadn't seen that before I met Tom. Otherwise, I would never have gone to your house when you invited yeah. me. <laughs> Jennifer's black, by the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just let everyone know. Got just some random racist show, everybody. Yeah. Start this, Jennifer. I mean, this is this is more an insight into a man and wife's <laughs> daily life than anything else at this point. I... This is this is a regular conversation. <laughs> Sean Connery was. Uh, what, no. <laughs> yes, it has to be said. Right. Yeah. Well, we've got a few different opinions on the course of the James Bond series. Okay. And um, basically, the Daniel Craig films. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on Daniel Craig and the recent films? I do really like Daniel Craig, and I do like the recent films. Um, I know a lot of you don't like him, mainly the pickups, because he's not what he's not suave, debonair, or, or in comparison to the other ones. But I, I think he's got that brooding look. I know he's blonde, but I don't think that's any. There's anything wrong with that. Um, I think he's a good Bond. I like how menacing he looks. Um, he's obviously very fit, athletically, I mean. Um, yeah, I, I like him. I don't see any problem with him. At all. So I don't know but- what your issue is. Jennifer's one and only appearance on the Really 007 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. This is too controversial for me. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Jennifer, there are listeners who uh, like our show who will be cheering right now that you've kind of put Tom in his place about Craig. Daniel Craig was for once, yeah. Yeah, no, I really like him. I, I do. Well, we, we did see Skyfall together at the cinema. And we did. We both enjoyed it. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's because you don't like change, though. I think that's what it is. 
That says a lot about me again. Well, yes. Partridge. That that is you. He's adverse to change for sure. So, I mean, that'll be it, won't it? Yeah. Well, you know, tonight we are talking about Sean Connery. Yes, yes. No, I was just meant, do you think, how would you compare the two, Sean and Daniel? I think Sean is the ultimate Bond. He's very, I don't know, he's got, he comes across like he has really capable hands. Like if, you know, if Bond is real, which obviously he is, then, and if you knew that Sean Connery was Bond, you'd just know that everything was going to be all right. And it's not that Daniel can't achieve that. It's just that you get that sense with Sean Connery. Um, And he's got that amazing deep voice and, you know, just... Yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about his lovely, sexy Scottish accent. Oh, I'm sure my word, yeah. But interestingly, nice. just comparing the two, um, I read that in 2018 they did an ancient, using an ancient Greek formula to work out who was the most handsome Bond. <clears throat> um, top was Sir Sean Connery. Nice. And, um, and who was bottom? It wasn't Daniel. It was Daniel, yeah. Oh, well, do you know what? I think, do you know, when you... Um... I'm just thinking, like, how pathetic is it that we have to rely on ancient Greek formulas to get our own way? <laughs> <laughs> really clutching at straws here. I think the reason that's that real, might be... That's real, that's real formula. Yeah, I think the reason that might be is because, you know, like, um, as people, as humans evolve, faces and bodies change, don't they? And so if it's an ancient Greek formula, then perhaps... Um, because obviously he, uh, Sean Connery is a much older, perhaps for that time and, um, you know, commensurate with the formula, his statistics fit better. Whereas, um, what's the new guy called? Daniel Craig, sorry, is a bit, is a lot younger and has potentially evolved over decades. So maybe his uh, statistics don't fit the formula as well. So it could be quite scientific as to why that's true, as opposed to it's not true. So wow. I don't know. <laughs> The greatest conversation I've ever had. <laughs> just so so we're aware. We're just normally talking about silly things. Amazing. Bit, bit different to normal, this. <laughs> just he was a bit moody, that was our complaint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's good. But Sean Connery is the best, for sure. We will, just bef- just while we've got you, Jennifer, yeah. you mentioned The Rock. Mm-hmm. You, that's Is that one of your favourite Sean films? Oh, definitely. That and Entrapment as Oh, well. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, just very again manly and strong. And <laughs> the accent and just he's just swoony. I like. Oh, I think you like him as much as I do. Though. I do. I love. I love yeah. Sean. Yeah, I think everybody on here, uh, all of us tonight, we're just going to be yeah. heaping praise on him. Yeah, he has. He had such presence. I think, which is, you know, Tom and I talk a lot about. Um, we have conversations often. You know, when you think about people like Daniel Day-Lewis and Anthony Hopkins and really great actors, and there just don't seem to be many, certainly none of our generation, but Daniel Day-Lewis is probably the only most recent one. And I think Sean Connery is one of those types of people, um, just comparably so much better than so many other actors. And I think we're agreed on that, aren't we? Yeah, I think he's definitely a film star. He's a movie star, yeah. isn't he? Whereas... Not even all of the other Bonds are necessarily movie stars. No. Maybe Pierce is probably the only one who you could say is a movie star. Sean's the only Bond to have won an Oscar, isn't he? He is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've not seen The Untouchables, have you? No. 
It's with another great favourite of mine, Kevin Costner. Oh my goodness, wow. You you are going to love that. Yeah. Yeah. film. The Chicago way. (laughs) (laughs) So nice. Yeah, but you like you like the the rock with Nicolas Cage as well. Yes, yeah. I do enjoy Nicolas Cage quite a bit. I think he's weird. I think he basically doesn't act. He just is himself, isn't he? Yeah. In everything. So what you get in like the National Treasure? Yeah, yeah. National Treasure. It's just I think that's just Nicolas Cage. Yeah, being, of course. Yeah, being yeah. himself, which in itself is really good, actually very impressive. Because if you can get paid that much for just being yourself, like Larry David, then, then it works. <laughs> <laughs> then it works, doesn't it? So. Jennifer, um, just to put in, I, I was, I was with you when you defended Daniel Craig. For me, you've taken it far too far. This in to say that he just plays himself. The man is a. He's a genius. That's <laughs> <laughs> what he wants you to think. <laughs> you, you don't mind that, that Sean basically has the same voice in, in everything he's in. You don't mind that. No, but so yeah. does like Sean Bean. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> these people, because they're so amazing, yeah, I agree. they can't be told to t- change their accent. Everyone has to work around them. Just like in Lord of Thr- Lord Lord of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Sean yeah. Bean didn't change his accent. No, really. they have to change. Yeah, yeah, because it was supposed to be an RP accident and accent. And then um, Jon Snow, I can't remember his real name, Kit Harrington, a.k.a. Matthew, um, said that they all had to change their <laughs> accent to be like him. So you Very good knowledge, Jennifer. Oh, well, why do you always sound so surprised? <laughs> it's so exciting. Whenever I say anything, he's like, wow, I don't, didn't know you knew that. It's so rude. I think that's a really interesting point, though. I think there is, like, there's a level of where actors are so good that they can do whatever accent they yeah. want. Oh, well, yeah. they don't have to change their accent. Absolutely. You've mentioned some good examples there. Anthony yeah, Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins yeah. are people where you're going to cast them even if they don't do the accent where they're supposed to be from. Yeah. They've got that much presence and that much charisma that audiences just accept them whatever the accent. And it's amazing that Sean Connery was one of those people. Indeed. It's sometimes off-putting when an actor is doing... You know he's doing an accent, or she, you know... And they're trying it very hard, even if it's good. Yeah. It's slightly off-putting because you're like, oh yeah, go on, you're doing well, and oh, and, uh, and like, <laughs> it take, if it takes you out of the role, I think that Sean Connery, absolutely, you know, he he is Sean Connery, but you're hanging on his every word, and you, yeah. You, yeah, he's just got that screen presence. The, the weight of the weight of um, Connery's performance, and you, like you were saying, I find this fascinating. I've never thought about this. That actors um, can be so good that you just leave them to it. Like, yeah, it's just yeah, gold. Yeah. You just do whatever. So, like in in Connery's case with Bond, um, it's known famously that he he was so good. But you know, there's obviously that touch of the Scottish brogue that Fleming went and retrospectively wrote in Scottish heritage yeah. for yes. off the back so of how good he that. was as James Bond, you know. So, like, Connery, by being so good, shaped the franchise. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I didn't realise that until I was, uh, well, reading about Sean after he died, and it, it was almost a criticism of him by some people who, who, well, like me, who weren't as in the know, like, oh, you can't have a... A Bond who's got a Scottish accent. That, it, it proves your point, doesn't it? He's that good that he, he just yeah. fits into it. Which is yeah. partly, I think, that leads into. We might discuss it on another episode. Future Bond. Bond. Being black. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. If if he was Scottish <gasps> and he wasn't meant to be, then if they're good enough for the role, you fit the role <laughs> yeah. to the best part, don't you? Yeah, that's my point. I think when I'm, in the last few years, I think because it is based on the book, yeah. that was my only doubt, my concern. 
But thinking about it, um, because I'm because I'm not that keen on Daniel Craig. If yeah, if somebody's good enough, they're good enough to be Bond. And if they make me feel like I'm watching James Bond, yeah, it doesn't matter what they look like. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have a woman personally. No, no. Well, I would. But that wouldn't be James Bond, would it? But no, th- thank you, Jennifer. No, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for um, popping on <laughs> to the Really 007 pod. Okay. I think you might be back at some point. I thought Hopefully. you were going to say, I think you might be banned. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it happens so often, I'm used to it, guys. Yeah, you know. I'll listen to this back and it will just have no, none of my... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's be like, Sean Connery's fit and that'll be it. Oh, yeah. Edited out, yeah. <laughs> Silence culture. Right, bye everyone. Enjoy the rest of Thank it. Thank you. Bye-bye. So as I was thinking for the quiz, I was thinking about, I didn't want to do a Bond quiz so much because obviously we want to recognise that Sean is a multi-talented actor in many things, but we needed to have a Bond flavour with it. So what I've done is I've found films that include another actor who appeared in a Bond film. So it's a film that Sean Connery appears with another actor, but it's not a Bond film. But this other person's obviously appeared in a Bond film kind of thing. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah? Um, As far as I can see, I think Matthew is winning at the moment. He is the only person who has had two victories. Tom, uh, Rob have won. Chris also has won because he loves Skyfall. And um, I think... (laughs) And Harry, have, have you... Have you won one yet, pal? Look, you know the stats. Why are you asking? <laughs> 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 it wasn't meaning to rub it in, but I realised I was insulting that game. Show some respect. Yeah. A lot but of pressure I've got on this here, one, then. We're gonna do, what we're going to do is... Uh, some of these are really tricky. So I'm going to say the actor, and then you can buzz in. And, after, and if you get it right, you get two points. But if after a couple of goes, no one's getting it, I've got, like, hints. And those hints mean you get one point. So I'm going to say the actor, the buzzer. I think we've just got to just keep it simple in respect of the old man, of the uh, great man. Sorry, uh, Sam. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> the old man. <laughs> so I want in your best Scottish accent. Do you expect me to talk? That's all I want to hear. That's that nice Excellent. and easy. That's all we need. Excellent. So the first one. Can you name me a film that Sean Connery appeared with Ray Fiennes? Uh, you you expect me to talk, Tom? The, the Avengers, the, the good one. I'm joking, I'm joking. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen two it, so. Points, no. Two points to Tom. Also has uh, Patrick McNamee in it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the original great, great John Steed. So, yeah. great, great impression, by the way. Oh, cheers. So, I'm, just, I'm just writing down these scores because they could get very messy very quickly. Um, <laughs> right, so, I'm doing a tally chart, that's it. Two points for Tom. Next one, Michael Kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. You can have. Do you want? Do you want a clue? So it's one point. Yeah, go on. Okay. It's a 1990 adapted John Le Carre novel, starring Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Chris, you, Chris, you, you can you say the Chris. Did you oh, say yeah. that then, mate? Sorry, you're really that, yeah. quiet. <laughs> right, oh, didn't go, hear. Sorry. Go on, Chris. What is it, mate? We do expect you to talk, Chris. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bit louder. The Russia house. It is yeah. the Russia house. Yeah. Oh, great splendid. score from Jerry Goldsmith, as everyone knows. <laughs> saddest people on record. <laughs> okay, sorry, because I have to listen out. Next one, John Cleese. You expect me to talk? Talk. Oh, I think that was. Uh, I'm gonna go Chris because I yeah, can yeah. see his facial reaction. Go on, Chris. Is it the Time Bandits? It is Time Bandits. Yeah. <laughs> Need to see these films. It's three two. Yeah. Next one. Robert Shaw. <laughs> you expect me to talk? Harry. It's um the Robin and Marion, is it? It is Robin and Marion. Yeah, yeah, well done. Well done. Great John Barry score. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one. Albert Finney. Welcome to Scotland. <laughs> 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 I don't know the answer. <laughs> he was going to be Albert Finney, wasn't he? In Skyfall. What? Who was going to be? The Kincaid character at the end of Skyfall was clearly set up to be Sean Connery, wasn't it? Really? Really? Well, I might have fold, folded in, in on itself one time. Oh, yes. Do you expect me to talk? The. Um, Paro, um, Murder in the Orient Express. Oh, correct. Oh, oh my way. Brilliant. Placho. Placho. Just a couple more. This one, so babyish. David Yip of the <laughs> CIA. <laughs> <laughs> the talk. Math. Uh, I hope this isn't really right. Rising Sun. Uh, that's not the answer I had, but I'll check it for you. <laughs> that's Japanese, man. Tell the difference. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he's hair in that. My goodness me. That could be the best hair he's ever. <laughs> Obviously, it's a wig. Um, oh, David Yip. Is he the guy in Overview to a Kill? Yeah, he's Chuck Lee. Chuck Lee, yeah. Do you want a clue? Yeah. You expect me to talk. Oh, Rob. Uh, just because I've not done the impression yet. <laughs> I wanted to get in there and have a go. Uh, was he in the background in one of... The... No, was he the tram driver in The Rock? Uh, he's not credited it as that if he is that. Certainly <laughs> 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 I've pulled it from thin air then. I'm be surprised. Poor David Yip. He's, he was in San Francisco <laughs> in View to a Kill. He's a you know, fairly decent character. Um, sorry, <laughs> mate. A few years later. Yeah, he's just a tram driver. San Francisco. Yeah, you must yeah. stay in San Francisco. <laughs> 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 the famous San Francisco character. Get him on the show. Yeah. The minute I the minute I give the clues, you'll get this because you've already mentioned this film. 1999 action action oh. film starring Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh. No, yeah, no one wants to take the top. Do you expect me to talk? three points. Yeah. Yeah. Which I feel that your question, you know, was to get me to <laughs> Chris has won or winning by five points. Tom and Harry have two, and Math has one. Now, there's one film where there are four James Bond characters 
who play alongside Mr. Sean Connery in a film. You expect me to talk? Go on, Rob. Uh, Last Crusade. It is. That's oh. correct. But... What a guess. And I'm going to give you the go now. Oh, heck. Because the actual is, can you name the four? The the uh, Donovan guy. Uh, Donovan was Blofeld in... Um, <laughs> was, was, am I going off the deep end here? Uh, you got the hard bit. You know who I mean. You know who I mean, don't you? Yeah. I, it's just I'm, I'm not getting... I can't do the character and actor names because I don't know any of them. <laughs> but I know the guy. You know, uh, lovely... Um, Lovely side parted grey hair, he's an academic in uh, Last Crusade who's a bit Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also plays, he's Blofeld. Is he Blofeld in. No, he's not Blofeld. He's in the film no. which had a fake Blofeld at the beginning. Bald man in a wheelchair. For your eyes only. <laughs> he's in for all your eyes only, yeah. Is he? Right, I'm so sorry. Alright, you know, I'm. So, yeah, Rob, you can have a point me. for that. Um, yes. So it's one point for it's Julian Glover. Anyone Thank want to you, that's what I meant. You expect me to talk? Yeah, oh, Math, yeah. go on. Uh, Alison Doody, the lovely Alison Doody. <sighs> Sheesh kebab. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do, can I? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that's right, isn't it? Of course. Uh, Chris, yeah. go for it. Uh, Sala, so it's John Reese Day. Oh, oh yes. 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 You expect me to talk? I think this is extremely sad. I can't remember his first name. He, Sawalia, he's um he's in the Spy Love Me. Um, right, Julian oh Nadia Sawalia's uh, father. Um, he's right. in the Spy Love Me. Is he not one of the? Maybe maybe he I'm is. Not. He is absolutely in it. I did not know he was in the Spy Love Me. So there's actually five then, if that's. The oh! Oh! So sad. <laughs> that is some. It's obviously a much more obvious answer. So you give a point for that. The, ne- the last one is the most babyish out of all of them. It's brilliant. It's not the guy who plays Hitler, is it? Uh, no, I will give you the name. <laughs> Are we counting Never Say Never Again? No, no, no. Oh. Um, the, 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 character, the character in Last Crusade is Dr. Mulberry. So excited. It's brilliant. It's so good. Male or female? He's a male. Is he? The librarian guy? No, I'm going to have to tell you what it is. It's a... Uh, Billy J. Mitchell. <laughs> Chuck Farrell. Zenia! 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 No! No! That's amazing. I can't breathe. I thought he'd only ever been in one film in his life. <laughs> if you ever go on his IMDb, it's just a picture of him collapsed on the floor after being suffocated. That's one of the funniest ever, isn't it? Cross eyed. Yeah, it really is. Um, uh, John, um, just before you wrap it up, um, it's very slight segue. Um, I typed in, you know, on Google, you know, when you type in a letter and then it gives you suggestions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I typed in A and it went Alison Doody. Good one. Yeah. Um, that's not just well, you, Rob. That's Chris. everyone in the world, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because her last name's Doody, surely. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that right? Yeah. That is the that is the sole reason for typing that her into it Google. It is. <laughs> so with six points, Mr. Chris Goldie wins today's quiz. Oh. Well done, pal. Thank you. Thank you, John. Superb. Thomas Sean Connery was born in Edinburgh in 1930 to a cleaner mother and a factory worker and lorry driver father. Known as Big Tam in his youth, he took on his middle name, Sean, and was six foot two by the age of 18. 
His first job was as a milkman before he joined the Royal Navy aged 16 for three years. He was discharged though on health grounds and returned to his homeland to pursue a succession of jobs. He was a lifeguard, labourer, coffin polisher and of course a model. He then turned his attention to bodybuilding, competing in the 1950 Mr Universe contest. He was also a skilled footballer and amazingly turned down a contract at Manchester United offered by Matt Busby as he thought it would be too short a career. His real love, of course, was acting, and he began treading the boards at local theatre, particularly in musicals. He spent the next few years making ends meet by babysitting and sleeping on the floor at various friends' houses in London. He got a part in Terence Young's 1957 film Action of the Tiger. Although the film was a flop, the director would, of course, remember him for the part of Bond five years later. His only real film success was the Disney effort Darby O'Gill and the Little People, where he sung and drew the attention of Hollywood scouts. Have you ever seen the seagulls flying over heather? All the crimson sails in Galway Bay, the fishermen unfurled. Oh, the earth is filled with beauty, and it's gathered all together in the form and face and dainty grace of a pretty Irish girl. Oh, she is my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling, full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. She is my dear, my darling one, my smiling and big island one. I love the ground she walks upon, my darling Irish girl. Sean Connery will, of course, always be best known as the first proper James Bond in the film series of Ian Fleming's character. Connery's selection for the role of Bond owed a lot to Dana Broccoli, wife of producer Albert Cubby Broccoli, who is reputed to have been instrumental in persuading her husband that Connery was the right man. When Sean was invited to meet Broccoli and Saltzman, he appeared scruffy and in unpressed clothes. But Connery put on an act and it paid off, as he acted in the meeting with a macho, devil-may-care attitude. When he left, the two producers watched him through the window as he went to his car, both agreeing that he was the right man for Bond. Fleming originally doubted Connery's casting, saying, He's not what I envisaged of James Bond's looks, and I'm looking for Commander Bond and not an overgrown stuntman, adding that Connery was unrefined. However, Fleming's girlfriend, Blanche Blackwell, told him that Connery had the requisite sexual charisma, and Fleming changed his mind after, after the successful Doctor No premiere. He was so impressed that he wrote Connery's Scottish heritage into the character for his 1964 novel, You Only Live Twice. Connery's portrayal of Bond owes much to the stylistic tutelage from director Terence Young, who helped polish him while using his physical grace and presence for the action. Young took him to his tailor and hairdresser and introduced him to the high life, restaurants, casinos and women of London. In the words of Bond writer Raymond Benson, Young educated the actor in the ways of being dapper, witty, and above all, cool. Lois Maxwell, who of course played Miss Moneypenny, related that Terence took Sean under his wing. He took him to dinner, showed him how to walk, how to talk, even how to eat. The tutoring was successful, and Connery received thousands of fan letters a week after Dr No's opening, and he became a major sex symbol in film. Chris, when we were talking about From Russia With Love, when we did the review there, we mentioned famously the 
Terence Young sort of whining and dining him and making sure he could speak like a proper gentleman and act like a gentleman, eat like a gentleman. And he did he say did he say Terence Young got him to sleep in his suits? So, yeah, so he's just to make he, sure he was like a second skin, essentially. So yeah, so he took took him to Savile Row, get him all the suits, got him all the shirts. Um, and, and everything, and then told him that to, to to sleep in his three piece, just to, so it so it felt like it was the second skin. He was completely comfortable while wearing it, and you can see that I think those particularly in, uh, from Russia with Love, where he's just it, the just the, the cut is just perfection, and he just glides across the screen. It's just it's awesome, like a panther, like a panther, yes. <laughs> but yeah, that I think, like you say, for some like big six foot two guy from Scotland. You just with with a humble background to sort of buy mm. him straight away as a really pro- a proper sleuth, a proper spy who is the most I don't know dashing sort of elegant guy you've seen in cinema. It's just amazing, and I, I, it, you'll never get enough credit from me for creating a character that wasn't there before. You can't. I know people go on. Oh, he's played by Bob someone or you know. In some advert or on the radio, you know what I mean. James Bond in a film on cinema, what a massive thing to do. I think you can trace back every second of his cinematic legacy to the exact second he appears on screen in Doctor No. I think that opening moment, that opening exchange, the confidence, the charisma, the look, it's all, I think everything from that moment comes from him. Um, I think if that moment isn't there, we probably wouldn't have had a episode talking about the 25th movie coming out and being delayed, you know. Like, it just sets such a stall out for everything to come. And arguably, you know, I mean, like, you know, we talk about Bond moments and stuff like that. Is that, I mean, is it the definitive? Because it sets everything up from there. We all know it. We all know it immediately, don't we? The wobble of the cigarette in the mouth as he talks. It's just, it's all there. We know it so much. And, and it's quite incredible that it was only put in the line Bond James Bond yeah. because it was a because what was it the line it was supposed to be it's my just, name is James yeah, Bond and it I sounded really Bond. yeah I am James Bond and it just didn't sound right and so it was a rewrite and yet it's completely immortalised now it was Connery who apparently came up with the line it's him who himself changed it to Bond James Bond he's so good isn't it he was so far into the character that he, that he knew sort of how he'd express it. Just in terms of, um, you know, his impact and everything and, um, and sort of building on what, what Rob was saying. I've, I've been thinking recently, and this is in no way meant to be a criticism of the other actors, but say say it's the franchise had started at each of the first um, film of each of the other actors, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. On a Majesty's, to an extent, Live and Let Die... Uh, Living Daylights, GoldenEye, Casino Royale. Would would they have had? Would would, would there have been a long running franchise? You know, fifty odd years later, mm. almost sixty years later. I'm not sure. I just think, and maybe a lot of it was you know right person at the right time and everything like that. But we owe so much to Sean Connery as as Bond, and and you know, and credit to them for casting casting him and, and everything and I'm sure we'll talk about that but yeah and I don't know I was, just, I was just thinking without without him as Bond at that time I'm not sure it would have had the, the same impact by by any stretch of the imagination and it's 
it's it's interesting, you know, that he <clears throat> was trying, you know, to he was based on a, a book, you know, a character from a book, and yet, like we mentioned, you know, there are certain things he made his own, and it got to the st- stage where Ian Fleming, but he wasn't Ian Fleming's first choice, but he actually. <laughs> He got so into the role, as you say, and took it on to make it his own so much that he won over Ian Fleming, the actual yeah. author of the character. Yeah. And like you've already mentioned, it made it inspired Ian Fleming to add Scottish heritage to Bond's character. It's incredible how that has kind of worked out. And again, perhaps like Matt says, whether <clears throat> you know Roger Moore's first outing, Timothy Dalton's first outing, whether they'd have the same power, you know. It's very hard to say so, I don't don't think they would. Underneath the mango tree, my honey and me... Who is that? It's all right. I'm not supposed to be here either. I take it you're not. Are you alone? What are you doing here? Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. Stay where you are. I promise I won't steal your shells. I promise you you won't either. Stay where you are. I can assure you my intentions are strictly honourable. Well, it's testament to Sean Connery's greatness that Roger Moore does a brilliant performance in Live and Let Die, and then you come back to Man with the Golden Gun, and Guy Hamilton is he's the same director as the one who's just done it, and his direction is basically just impersonate Connery go back to Connery and and you see that and it doesn't work for Roger and that's that's no discrimination it's Roger it's just he's a completely different kind of actor but it it shows the impact of this man that when in doubt you go back to Connery well that it's the trendy thing to say now isn't it whenever there's a new bond uh, they will whoever takes over Daniel Craig they'll say I want to go back to the books and and Connery and okay, fair enough. Roger Moore probably didn't say that, <laughs> but t- Timothy Dalton did. To be fair, he was the first one who said it, and he had the Shakespearean background to to sort of back it up, didn't he? But there would be no there'd be no franchise without him, more than any other ingredient. More than I know, he Terence Young is given a lot of credit and fair fair dues to him, particularly the first two, which really set set the mark, don't they? But after that, there's more and more layers added on, aren't there? So, like the gadgets and the the women, the, the exotic locations. There's loads of ingredients why we love Bond. But if if you'd have had a a nondescript guy in the lead role who didn't have any charisma, it just none of it would be would work. And I actually also think he is is he is he responsible for making the first cinematic franchise character, possibly. I mean, this is we're going back sixty two. I can't think of any other... I mean, maybe things like Jason and the Argonauts and stuff were around at a similar time, weren't they? But that's a historical character in a way. Well, okay, not historical. Um, <laughs> a mythological of, character. Sorry, but if you're thinking about incarnations of a character that, that kick-started a movement or a series or something like that, I mean, you look at this, um, and Lee is Dracula. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and that Hammer Horror movement, you know, possibly. I don't know. I really can't think of anything around this era that 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 certainly went boom. There you go. I mean, were, uh, was were sequels a thing? Before, yeah, yeah. Before this, 
it's amazing to think, you know, not just his acting and his performance in the film, but his presence on a poster, his face on a poster would be so iconic and recognised, you know, globally. He was James Bond to so many, just on a poster alone. And, you know, in the, in the old style of the posters where they, you know, they have the appearance of being, like, painted, it's so iconic and well-known, the Sean Connery face for Bond, um, that even that is something that you'll compare every other Bond to, just that, you know, two-dimensional face. Yes, so it's amazing that he's, he's set that up and he is, like you say, Tom, this recurring character that people would just see on a poster and be happy that he's coming back. I think I um, couldn't agree more because I know, um, Harry, that, um, you know, our, I'm guessing from the fathers of the other men on the podcast that I don't know, but our fathers are all of a similar sort of generational scape, I would imagine. Um, um, my dad... Um, got in touch with me this week to say how sad he was about Sean um, because um, and I think this is the right you know ordinarily I wouldn't ever go into things like this but it's the right forum for it we're talking about impact of a man generationally aren't we here um, and dad remembers going to see Goldeneye when he was 10 and um, just his mind falling out Goldfinger yeah. Goldfinger sorry Goldfinger yeah my dad is yeah. very very young yeah, yeah no no <laughs> I, I was ten when I saw Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, I, I was twelve. Yeah, yeah. You know, my dad. Um, no, could just go, <laughs> Goldfinger. Yeah. Oh, Goldfinger. I saw it at the cinema. Um, Amazing. And ha- yeah, and how much he wanted, how much at ten that he'd never seen anything like it, and how much it rocked his world to pieces, so. and just the fact that Connery for him has been James Bond from the moment he saw that poster and knew that he had to go and see that movie. He hadn't seen a Bond film before that as well. I don't think so. Um, and from that, you know, I mean, he he still watched the Bonds on when they were on TV because of that moment, because of Sean Connery. Does anyone from that generation think of anyone else as the as the Bond? Do they? I, I think they all. I think so. Whenever I talk to obviously Dad and his friends or people of that age, it's just oh well, it it was always Sean Connery for me. I, I quite like so and so. I quite like so and so, but. You can't beat Sean Connery, and it's not. Of course, that we said. I think John, when we we're talking about the world is not enough, Pierce Brosnan is your Bond, isn't he? Because that's who you grew up with, yeah. and he will always be your Bond. Yeah. But in in the sort of outside of the the trendy, oh, the original's always the best. For those people, it was. It must have been much more impactful seeing Bond at the cinema than it was for us, because we already had the videos, we already had the. All the other bonds that had gone before, we knew what we were getting. It, it, even though we, it was exciting to see them, there was nothing particularly original about watching a new Bond. We, you know, we'll talk about the other films, but like, you go to you only the twice, you see, you know, Japan. You know, I haven't seen this before, and you've got yeah. Bond there, your favourite guy in Japan. It's must imagine how exciting that would have been in the oh, cinema. Well, no, just how explosive this was to sixties culture, though. You've just come out of the fifties, and then you've got this absolute dude going all over the world doing all sorts and saving the world and representing his country and and the storytelling the excitement of that there'd never been anything like it at all you know and that was certainly what came across in my conversations with dad was about how just new this was and how mind-blowing it was chris you've um you know the books quite well are you are you a sort of like connery does he reflects the Fleming Bond, or 
do you think Fleming, when he was writing them, became made the character a bit more like Connery as it went along? I think it's really difficult to sort of to separate them. I think once you've seen Connery in that role, and then you read the books, it's just that that's who you sort of imagine. But you know, I think when you start, I think when he started, I think it was um, you know uh, David Niven was kind of more what Fleming kind of wanted in sort of casting was a bit put out by this kind of gruff uh, Scotsman who sort of appeared but I think yeah I think as you go on you can see that I, but also I think that, that the books are, are quite different to the films because obviously this is you know these are adaptations these are there's a lot of cherry picking across there but yeah as if, you, if you're just looking at the character you can see the influence of Connery and I think that, that um, yes he did create Add so much to it, but he was he was really smart in picking and choosing, you know, um, moments and what to like him and you know Terence Young, you know, it's, it's it's about the glamour, and like 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 Rob was saying is that that these books when they were published, they were still rationing, you know, in the UK after after the war, which is a ridiculous thing. So to see someone who is the embodiment of masculinity and suaveness and charisma to 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 be on on screen doing things that ninety nine point nine percent of people at the time will never get the chance to do is and like you know it was you know obviously when it gets to like when Thunderball was released it's getting compared to sort of Beatlemania it was just insane but you're right I think there has there is nothing comparable to it in terms of series yes you had popular series like maybe like you know, um, the Zorro, you know, Saturday morning kind of matinee kind of things. But that was never the actor. That was the character. And this is the moment where it was kind of, with actually, which is more popular? Is it Connery more popular? Are people going to see Connery or are they going to see James Bond? There was this sort of tipping point. And maybe that's when Connery was getting a bit, maybe this is this is a bit too intense sort of for me. There's no kind of separation between the two. But I think, you know, he is just... You know, I, there are all the bonds I love for different reasons. You know, the characters, the interpretations of them. But yeah, you know, as soon as I saw, you know, those first three, four, you know, bonds with with Connery, I thought this is this is this is it. This is the ultimate kind of. And I think that is down to his performance and his charisma. I think he strikes that balance. You know, if you were, you know, in the sixties, going on a date with a you know a girl to watch it. Sometimes, you know, there might be a hero on screen and you can see that the girl's, you know, absolutely in love with him and you're getting a bit jealous and you think, oh, he's not that good, come on. But in Sean Connery's case, and in other heroes' case, you know they've struck the balance right when, sorry, they've struck the balance right when the males want to be him. You know, women adore him, mm. males want to be him. And Austin and, Powers. And, Austin yeah. Powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Connery, and you know, there are, like I say, there have been other heroes since and actors um, who've been able to do that but like you're talking about Rob you know about your dad going to the cinema to watch and to think of that whole generation of men seeing obviously the women adoring James Bond but at the same time yeah absolutely I see why I want to be James Bond as well I think how he struck that balance is, is marvellous so there was, the, you know, it's wished fulfillment, and, it, and Bond has always been that. But to imagine to be there at that time, you must have felt so spoilt to to see something that was felt exciting and groundbreaking, and to see stuff that you hadn't seen before, and it to be led by, you know, these, 
you know, not just Connery, but the other, the, all these other great kind of, you know, charismatic or you know these brilliant character actors. I just that's <laughs> jealous to, to be able to go back, you know, to see that. And like you say, to have that, I think we're very much jaded in terms now where you think, oh well, I've seen that before. It's not really exciting yeah. as that. Oh, there was a really, you know, actually the stuff on Netflix that's better than what you see at the cinema nowadays. Yeah. But to to, to be there and like you say, everyone has those stories of. You know, coming out, and my family's got one with uh, the mother-in-law's his her father. After seeing Goldfinger, went and started to label and actually made a little switch in his car <laughs> so he could oh, put on so like Chris. <laughs> That's incredible. And, and he had that in his car. He'd made it. You know, obviously he didn't do anything. Just switches on a piece of wood, and he put it on the dashboard. It's it, and he had that on the car for years. You know, that impact, that that wish fulfillment, that, you know, there's part of you that thinks, well, you know, maybe if I were a really nice suit and tie, I could be James Bond. There is that, you know, but you don't get the rest. Rob gets that when he watches Daniel Craig Bond films, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, no, you know, when I, I went to senior school and there was a blazer, I couldn't believe how lucky I was. I got to wear like what felt like a suit jacket to school every day because it was like Bond. You know that that's why. I, I mean, I I think when I think about it now, you know, the era sixty two was uh, Doctor No, wasn't it? Seventeen years prior to that was the end of the Second World War, which feels like nothing because how many Bond films have we had in seventeen years from this point? Wow. Well, um, not as many as we should, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's not all that long ago. You know, but how empowering this was, you know, I mean, um, mm. and I know that we talk about, you know, that um, I know there's a, you know, the discussions now that masculinity is perhaps over empowered. But at the time in, in the 60s to have this, like, whoa, this is just a shot of absolute. Oh, you can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. You can go out there and get it, you know, just be like this guy. You know, take life by the horns, and I, I just, I never thought about it in these terms. And really, I, I'm sad because I'd like to have done this. You know, like to thought about it like this by myself without Connery's death being the precursor to it. Yeah, yeah. We did touch on it a bit in uh, the From Russia with Love review, Rob. Um, right. Just going into that film, one of the main things we said about it is just how confident Connery is. He just slips into the role quite literally. You know, in the suit and the way he holds his gun, the way he he's just he's always in control. I know in I know in Goldfinger, you know, there's a whole he's a bit of a rubbish agent in that. That's more the plot, of course, <laughs> isn't it? But yeah, yeah. The the script, math, that's the script, yeah. Not the dialogue. Dif- different things. <laughs> yeah. But he yeah, in From Russia with Love, he's just So there's a danger sometimes of Bond not being the main character in a Bond film. And when we talked about the world is not enough. Bond, Bond, okay, Electra is a massive character, but Bond, it's such so much is dependent on Pierce Brosnan's Bond, and I think in in his first few films, okay, I'm sure some of you might say as it went along, you know, it got more fantastical than maybe You Only Live Twice. It didn't play as much on Connery's strengths, perhaps, uh, in terms of just him in his situations. I'm, I think I seem to be one of the. I can't. I I th- thought it was one of the most well-respected Bond films, but I'm learning that it isn't. I can't believe it, but I I absolutely love that film. <laughs> we'll get onto that. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, certainly from much we love, we were just saying it. It's just it's all about Connery the film. 
Well, I've just been reviewing an old case. Oh, so I'm an old case now, am I? Shh, it's the office. Uh, tell him I'm on my way, will you? He is not on his way. Sylvia, behave. We'll do this again some other time soon. Do what? Last time you said that, you went off to Jamaica. I haven't seen you for six months. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'll be there in an hour. I'll tell him. Hey. Your old case sounds interesting, James. Uh, make that an hour and a half. <laughs> now, about that lunch. <laughs> when it comes down to it, you've got all the brilliant elements. You've got Grant, you've got the fight. Well, that, well the fight, we can go on to that. That is just, it's just the most amazing thing, isn't it? And before and before that, actually, the another bit in Doctor No, the, the sort of... Um, altercation and just killing Dent in cold blood. I mean, these are just massive scenes, aren't they, of cinema, that you, you, you'll you never forget them. Yeah, I mean, I I was thinking before about what would my favourite Connery moments be, and I tried to do one from every film, and what I found, I won't go on to the others, but those are the two that I thought of, of Doctor No and from Russia with Love, and I think that what it is is, is because they're so contrasting in terms of that you come out of it and you recognise you just know this guy's not messing but one is just all about slow pace, tense build up but he's completely in control and an absolute cold kill that Professor Dent won possibly the most coldest kill in the whole series actually and then you've just got the absolute brutal raucous, claustrophobic fight and those two kind of personality traits the absolute physical aspects of it but also the uh, the scheming the in control aspect of it just and I'll go on to the others later but show what a rounded character Connery was and I don't think I've always appreciated that I think I'd always see Connery as the suave hard guy but he's actually incredibly rounded um, and he, he he's a jack of all trades and a master of all yeah <laughs> I, I find it quite interesting to read that Obviously, like I've mentioned, you know, he's a bit of a poster boy. Obviously, his looks, his charisma, his charm. But it, it was—I can't remember what film it. You, you guys will know what film it was. Um, Sultan probably saw him in a film, and it was his fighting ability that clinched it for him. Actually, his ability to brawl, kind of. Wow. Though, although he obviously has the image, he's got the physical ability to go with it as well, which 
obviously when you speak to people now and we're all kind of talking about Sean Connery and we're all talking about his charisma, his charm and being the, you know, the perfect bomb but there won't be that many people who are saying yeah he was such a good fighter but he, he, he was but the, that's that was actually the thing that clinched it for him wow. and that's what got him the role his, his fighting yeah. ability as well we said, didn't we, that in From Us We Love, the, the amazing fight scene, there's only like one shot where it isn't Connery and, and Robert Shaw. So nowadays you'd be like, oh, well, we'll get the guy first, we'll get all the elements. We can just use a stuntman if he's not that comfortable. And obviously Roger didn't do as much of the stunts, did he? But that back then it was like, yeah, I'm sorry, you're going to have to... There's, there's no uh, CGI. No, there's no visual effects or there's no, nothing like that you can rely on. And... We said Terence Young made that fight so violent because he was a, a fighter, a boxer himself when he was at uni. And everybody else on the set were just like, hang on, this is going too far. Pe- people could get hurt in this. But it's like, no, no, this, gotta be, this has got to be real. It's got to look real. I, I th- it's, it's, it's such an iconic scene, isn't it? I think, yeah, like we've sort of mentioned how the casting of Daniel Craig and his appearance in Casino Royale kind of wowed people because he was big and muscular. Well, Sean Connery was a competitive bodybuilder. He was a Mr. Universe contender. Yes, that. Six foot two, so he had five inches on, um, or four, yeah, four or five inches on Craig as well, didn't he? Yeah, he's he's got this fighting ability, but then going back to what Chris was saying, the story about him, he could also slip into a suit, sleep in a suit, and be, you know, creeping across the room like a panther. Physically, Physically, he was absolutely perfect, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. And he doesn't necessarily look that British, if you think about it, does he? If you think of a British gentleman spy, you might have thought like the David Niven on paper, who's a bit like Hugh Grant even, that kind of slightly up, you know, upper class, mm. yeah. not necessarily that big and physical. Yeah. You know, he's quite tanned, isn't he? Dark hair. Yeah, he's got a Mediterranean sort yeah. of hair. Yeah, yeah. As, as Graham would say, quite swarthy uh, with his beard later on. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You win, Goldfinger. <laughs> it seems I'm too good for you. Hmm. You play a Slazenger 1, don't you? Yes, why? Well, this is Slazenger 7. Here's my Penfold Hearts. Well, you must have played the wrong ball somewhere on the 18th fairway. We are playing strict rules, so... I'm afraid you lose the hole and the match. Yeah, so Goldfinger's the next one. I mean, this, in many respects, people outside who, who aren't massive Bond fans will usually say this is their favourite Bond film or that's the sort of quintessential Bond film. And we've said it a lot as well. On the sort of online... Bond fan community some of them are quite sniffy about Goldfinger it's almost like well you know everybody loves that they all say they love that but actually you know there's this wrong with it there's that wrong with it I I want to be cool and say that something a bit more not as obvious is my favourite Bond and it's just like sorry are you having a laugh have you watched it recently it's just it's just (laughs) unbelievably good isn't it I can't what yeah there's minor quibbles you can have but when the film is that good. You just, you just go along with it, and you love it. And those elements, it's just, there'd never been anything like it before. Even from Rush with Love, it's another step. Not, I'm not saying it's a better film necessarily, but 
it's another step into getting that formula that people, the audiences love. Yeah. It felt like the first time that all the, the formula pieces lined up in a row. And um, right, you've got the massive set pieces, you've got the stakes higher than they've ever been. Um, but, but like Connery, in terms of the role, is just, well, he owns it to pieces by this point. I mean, it's just, there's not even, he could do this in his sleep at this point. He doesn't, which is a testament to him, but he could do it in his sleep. Um, the iconography of that film is so, so high. But also the effect for the for the era, 64, a guy getting sucked out of a plane. Yeah, and yeah. The, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not talking about Kananga. I was just there. thinking of that. The noise <laughs> immediately. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is also one of the greatest things I've is ever it? seen in my oh. life. Like, seriously. When I saw that as a child, Kananga being... Oh, you know, wound is, uh, hundreds of times. Welcome to the Kananga podcast. <laughs> no, so, yeah... It's the first time that it all came together uh, and, and left this template that you could do anything with. There were a few checkboxes that you had to go through, um, but from from there, the sky was the limit. The, the, the people are sniffy about it because it is popular and it, there is a sort of, you know, when things become popular, people tend to sort of pick them apart. And but like you say, I you know I watched that Goldfinger what three four weeks ago with my five year old son, and he sat he glued he was glued because it does everything. It is even though it's set in the in the states, somehow it feels exotic. I don't know if it's because it's Miami during the sixties. You know that that you've got again just these, this great cast of characters. Bond is he's just ever present <laughs> even when he's not on screen he you know you're waiting for when's the next scene when when's he going to come back kind of thing and it just it is the car you know the 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 plot is a de- you know it's not i don't i don't i don't see it. it's for me it is not a lesser bond it is still you know high up there people and like i say people being a bit sniffy i think is it is ridiculous because Yes, you could argue that it's a slippery slope with you know the gadgets and you know some of the humor coming in, but that's you know what 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 do you do after after those first two become so popular? You start adding stuff that people like, and if the if people are saying, well, we love the gadgets, what can you do next? We love the the humor, add that. But you know, as we discussed before, you know there is a certain amount of um, you know you need a certain amount of control you need to have over that and not not let it kind of just overrun. Those that shall not be named. I think, um, yeah, I I, I honestly watching it it, is just a reminder of just this is just such a cracking film. It moves at such a great pace. You know, yeah, there may be a few plot points here and there, but who cares when you when it's it's done with so much style and confidence? I can look over. You know, you can just look over those little few niggles here and there. How much you want to be alive in the sixties, like Rob said? You know, it's just you just get. And you said it, Chris, didn't you? Imagine seeing those those scenes and. Yeah, I I mean I just I give testament to um, Guy Hamilton with that film. I, I think I, I I'm a massive Terence Young fan, but I think you can definitely see the change in how Connery plays Bond in that film. He never has a smile off his face in that film. He's enjoying himself from minute one. And that is very different to the Bond we've seen before. We've actually seen quite a, a cool customer, really. But this one, he's just playing it large. And and 
he's a movie star in it. That's the best way to describe it. He's a movie star in this film. He holds that film together completely. People have come to see Connery as much as anything by then, haven't they? Absolutely. Whereas Dot to Know from Russia with Love, they loved the whole package, I think. Yeah. But by then, he's just like. I know he'd. Had he done Marnie by then? I'm not sure. Was that the. Yeah. Similar time? 64, I think, Marnie. Because obviously by now, he's like. He don't, I think he only did one or two films during his first stint of Bond, and he was obviously wanting to get out and do a bit more. You know, like Daniel Craig wants to do Southern. American accents, we know that. That's his root out at the moment. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. It, well, I mean, we'll, we'll get. We'll fair, get as, it yeah, sorry. Been, sorry. It would have been quite a packed schedule because they were in consecutive years. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Full time so, job, wasn't it? Yeah. The, there's not just the filming it and, and everything, there's the. You know, there's the post production, there's the promoting it and, and, and yeah. like, you know, going around and everything. So you can understand why. He, he began to feel a bit jaded by the time the likes of like You Only Live Twice comes round, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think that Goldfinger is I think I think it is his sort of it's the peak of of him embodying the role as he wants to if 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 yeah, you know. and um, just the way that he he is in that film it, it's just it's. It's a movie star in a role he was born to play. Uh, I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but you know, at the peak of his powers. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I'm a massive fan of that film, and I'm a massive, massive fan of him in that film. Pete, like I say, new actors take over the role as James Bond. They sort of say, "I want to go back to the dark basics," and it's like, yeah, but you do realise Sean Connery always brought the humour to it. It would be, you know, he wasn't. He didn't play stilted and annoyed and grumpy the whole time. No, not naming any names. But even, I suppose, even Timothy Dalton, he did, he played it a lot more game than Timothy Dalton, didn't he? And when we'll, we'll come on to Diamonds Are Forever, that a lot of that decision to go that route was Sean Connery's because he wanted to have a bit more fun playing him. And that goes on to Roger Moore when he always says, doesn't it? Well. How can you take someone seriously, a spy who any bar he goes into, they know what drink he's having? Uh, I, I know that that sort of yeah. developed from that, but yeah, I think you're right, Math Goldfinger is the most Sean Connery, the balance, isn't it? The, the first two are very realistic, aren't they? You know, they could happen. Bond, I'm still watching for, uh, from Rush with Love recently, there's a few more quips than I remembered. He's, he's, oh, yeah. he's in a yeah. great. He's in a great mood in that film. He's, yeah. he's having a laugh. It's supremely enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, it is very, very enjoyable. Film. Yeah, and I'm so glad, Chris, that Ernie is is, is gobbling those early films up because oh, honestly, you worry, don't you, these days? Kids are, you know, the attention span isn't great, is it? And animation is what they want, or something with loads of songs in, particularly the very young. But to what to make them watch, you know, some an early six. I'm not sure Jennifer would have um, be bothered. Uh, what if I told her, do you want to watch an early 60s British spy thriller? I think if you told her that Sean was involved. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's my point. That's my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sean and the charisma. I did, can we just let the listeners behind the curtain, because this is like one of my like daily treats or weekly treats or whatever, is when Chris, but when you share um, pictures of your, you know, your son and his enjoyment of James Bond, but like the movies that you feel like you can show mm. a five-year-old, mm. Honestly, I'm living it all again, like with you. I mean, my boy is now uh, three, 
and uh, you know, I showed him a few of the sequences from Octopussy, and that's as far as we got. Yeah. And he liked the little plane. You like that, yeah. but seeing your son dressed, you know, asking to dress in a suit because it's like Jay. Honestly, I mean, this is this is what we love. This is yeah. how yeah. we are doing this right now. I just I get such an enjoyment out of it. It's Stray. just great. Camera, you know, creating a magic and a spark between a father and a son, between fathers and sons, where you know you look at the boy and he's desperately wanting to be James Bond, and then you realise, yeah, so do I. We both want to be James. Yeah. <laughs> the five-year-old boy and the I don't know how old you, Chris, but but you know the the full-grown man. He also wants to be James Bond. Yeah. Incredible! What a bond. But it is it is interesting to see watch it through his eyes as well. Mm. Like you know, the first film we watched was Moonraker uh, because we thought it was the most appropriate and also Arguably thought, the rudest, Chris. Well, I did edit you, but. You know, that, thinking that oh, that would be the one that it's got, there's enough going on. You know, Bond ends ends up in space. That's surely going to keep his you know his attention span. And it, it, you know, it did. You know, he he enjoyed it. He loved he loved the the the, the set. Like, you know, that he's thrown out of a plane in the opening scenes. How amazing is this? <laughs> uh, and then and then I thought, oh, trying. You know, he was kept asking about it. So he looked at um, Spy Loved Me again. Those set pieces. He was like absolutely hooked. Less so, maybe a bit too much talking. Could have could have done with skipping that. Less less engaged with that. But when it came to the car, he was he was like, "This is amazing." And he just and he, he talked about it for ages. And I thought, "Oh well, let's try one of the the other." One. I thought, well, "What's the problem?" I wanted to show him a Connery one, but then thinking, "Oh well, again, pacing would it would it engage him?" Well, what's the sort of probably the paciest one? Goldfinger, and again, he just he absolutely liked it. Oh, loved it, loved it, it's and amazing. and it's so interesting to see what the see. And I thought it'd be kind of in and out. Oh well, you know, you know when kids are like when they're watching films, they're often you'll know, walk off and then they'll come back and you're like, watch this bit, watch this bit. <laughs> but no, he he stayed, he stayed, he stayed pretty glued through through all of it, and more so than than some of the Rogers, you know, in terms of consistently. But I think there is that. Innately, he understands that that it is it's aspirational. It's like, oh wow, this is this is so cool. This is you know, this is escapism, and that's what Bond should be. He understood that putting on a suit, you know, he wanted to wear his bow tie that usually wears for weddings and that kind of thing. So I put that on, I I can become that, and that oh. is, there's, there's a pureness to that. And I think, um, yeah, I, I was I was really surprised that he was he was engaged by Goldfinger, but. It just goes to show, you know, really good storytelling, yeah. and you know, a, you know, great acting can engage anyone. I think. Really, 007 is part of the Pod Dojo Network. No, no. <laughs> Young <laughs> yeah, yeah, Very true. Yeah. <laughs> Which they definitely are. No. Let's let's make that very clear. As Rob found out at school, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was Spy Who Loved Me. Spy Who Loved Me, yeah. You know, I saw it on Dad's... Uh, Not for children. I've got it. Oh, where is it? I've got it here. I've got... I've got his his copy of um, Diamonds Are Forever. He's there. That's, like... But that's... It's actually pretty faithful. So it's got all, you know, Shady Tree and all that kind of stuff in there, you know. We adore your act. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Hang on a sec. I've got it. I've got it. Forgive me, audience, but... The Spy Love Me. 
Oh. Does that look anything like a James Bond <laughs> novel to you? It's Ian, an Ian Rankin uh, cover, that. It? it doesn't read <laughs> like anything just... like a James Bond film. <laughs> no, no, no. And well, Bond isn't in it until like halfway <laughs> so through. So depressing. It's, it's, bizarre, it's like it? it's like um, uh, a woman's memoirs for the most like the the, the most part. But it's been, and sorry to describe to listeners. I'm holding. Um, a copy of the Spy Who Loved Me that was it was this edition issued by the book club. It doesn't have a name, but it does have sorry, it doesn't have a date, but it does say fifteen shillings wow. was the oh, cost. So good. Yeah, nineteen sixty two is Ooh. this copy. Wow. wow. Um, the front cover is actually a very cool. Um, I'll put this out on the Twitters as well. Like um, it's a painting um, of a woman ru- running through a forest in the rain. Mental that that's to do with James. Absolutely <laughs> 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 mental. <laughs> A bit like Moonraker, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corinne Corinne put down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dear me. Yeah, I, I remember, like you say, growing up, we even when Dad put on a suit or he was going to some ball or something, when he put a bow tie on, we were like, "Oh my word, this is amazing!" You know, look, look at Dad, and and when even when he went to work with his briefcase, we mentioned that from Rush right, with Love. Yeah. Of course, the gadget was there, wasn't it? And we were just obsessed. And growing up, that's why, any yeah, wedding or something like an event like that, you were, you loved wanting to wear a suit. Like the first day at senior school, Rob. You know, you could have almost oh, brought yeah. the toy Walther with us. I thought we maybe we did. I don't know. Couldn't do oh, that so now, the, obviously. What I, what I did? The, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I what I um, the only sadness with going to school, you know, wearing a blazer was, you know, and I respected you massively, Tom, because you went with the briefcase. Yeah, you know, like you did the briefcase. Briefcase, well, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, because we didn't know each other then. No, you know, we no. literally met on the first day of high school, and I had like a backpack, and I was like, I can't wear this backpack with a suit. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it just does not work remotely. And so obviously, I gravitated in the room, you know, when we first met each other, to the guy with the briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that that links us nicely to the the backpack sort of uh, thing in Thunderball, doesn't it? That he, he gets... It does. It does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the only time a backpack and suit is allowed. Yeah. <laughs> the helmet slightly depressing in Thunderball. That's, well, I, I, yeah. the helmet there reminds me of the helmet the snowman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which then makes it crisp again. So. <laughs> this is a Geiger counter. You press this lever. If it starts clicking, it means the bombs are aboard. What do I do then? Go straight up on deck. As a disco volante is being watched, you'll be spotted. Vargas behind you. Really? He must have followed us. I think he got the point. Yeah, Thunderball. It's, a very, it's quite a long film and there's so much to it. Anyway, I, I'm a massive fan, massive fan of Thunderball. I think it's possibly one of the most exotic Bonds. Just just seeing him abroad, he looks amazing still. The shades, the hairy chest. Just, and, and actually, it, was it that and Dr. No were filmed in Nassau? And that's, of course, where Sean retired to. And, yeah. and he, he died in Nassau, didn't he? So... I don't know whether that was the first. It's probably must must have been the first time he went. Saying uh, no one went abroad back then. I mean, Can you imagine it. You know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Like, yeah. This this place is mint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
think I'll probably die. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is quite. That's quite touching, though, that it obviously yeah. had an impact on him. And I know, obviously, the Caribbean is linked. Of course, Ian Fleming had his house there, didn't he? Golden Eye. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I just love it. I've, and um, yeah, it brings in obviously more and more of the gadget type stunts, the underwater elements, the fantastical. But it's still for me, it's like that absolute. The score is really, you know, it keeps it going. Perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. like the, un- I know the underwater sections are a bit criticised, aren't they? Sometimes, but John Barry is doing his best to to keep them going. They won an Oscar yeah. actually. The underwater scenes. But, they did. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rightly so. Um, John, you know, I don't know whether you're on the Thunderball episode, but um, in terms of Sean Connery in the film. My thing with Thunderball is absolutely nothing to do with Sean Connery. I think there are so many amazing parts to Thunderball, Sean Connery being one of them. My issue with it is pacing. That's my, my thing with that film, really. I think we spend far too long in the uh, bit at the beginning, with the, in the gymnasium bit. And... Yeah, very much. But but all the way through, Connery is brilliant. He's having he's having a whale of time again, and I think you brought the point up is is that he um, he looks great, and he's hardly in a suit. You know, he's 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 in his uh, he's in his shorts yeah. and his shirt and his shirt, and he's got them awesome Roy Orbison glasses going on, and you know he's looking he's looking the man, isn't he? You know, and Connery's brilliant in that film. And it's an exotic location. He's having a whale of a time. Love the casino bits with that. The whole taking the mick, going about my spectre against your spectre and all that. It's, yeah. Listen, Sean Connery, by this point, is a superstar. And he knows it, and he's playing it as a superstar. He's brilliant. I think the, the chemistry between him and Volpe is underrated. You know, people oh, yeah. have said about the great chemistry between Bonds and Bond girls or... We we mentioned that we're going to mention the Electric King in the the World Is Not Enough review how successful that is, but the one with Volpe is so under. I know we love. I know Rob, we love Domino. My word, but the chemistry is better with Volpe, isn't it? Really. I mean, um, we we obviously. <laughs> you try not to talk about you know the quality of the Bond girls. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not just a pretty thing. Topic. It's not a very great topic to touch upon. Um, but I, I think in this, um, certainly, uh, these are probably my favourite two. Yeah, yeah. You know, not, not just, Math is laughing, not just from the aesthetics, but like, the, the, genuinely, yeah. I think I think these are two excellent uh, characters. The more innocent Domino that you feel for, and then yeah. Volpe, who is the least innocent person in the world. Oh, yeah. I think by this point in the series, you also get the chemistry with you. Yeah, way. yeah. The exasperation and everything. They, you know, they have a great. They bounce off each other. I, I think. I think that's you know another kind of essential element. Yeah. You think? Yeah, it's the gadgets that are the essential element. Well, also there's the relationship with Q. If you like the Really 007 podcast, why not follow us on Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. Really 007. Gents, this is a difficult one, but can I bring up the elephant in the room? There's a time, there's a reason I would bring it up at this point, because uh, Gold, uh, sorry, Thunderball comes out in 1965, and it's a particular interview in 1965 that seems to um, start um, 
uh, an attachment to Sean's legacy that I feel like it would be remiss of us not to address. So um, I've put my hand up and I've said I would like to talk about this because I think that everything in life deserves context because I think sometimes in the social media world you exist in a contextless state really you just get uh, fed a soundbite and you don't really know where it's come from or anything like that um, I know my um, fellow voices on this podcast um, very well um, and but I would never like to speak for them but what I'm confident enough to say is that not one of the people on this condones any suggestion of domestic violence no no absolutely not so I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough to say that. Yeah, yeah. Unless anyone wants to set me straight and say, you flipping love We can get lost if you But nobody does. But there is this, there is this thing. <laughs> get that hand down at the back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is this, there is this uh, spectre. Sorry, there's not supposed to be puns in this segment, um, Or about... Um, Domestic violence attached to Sean Connery um, and Sean Connery's legacy. And this stems, um, I've done quite a bit of research on it this week, mainly because I wanted to know. You know, I've got my own feelings on Sean Connery and I wanted to know where this came from because I know this has been around for a while. So it starts with a 1965 uh, Playboy um, interview in which he states that um, I don't think there is anything particularly wrong about hitting a woman, although I don't recommend doing it in the same way that you'd hit a man. He added that an open-handed slap is justified if all other alternatives fail, and there's been plenty of warning. <laughs> Sorry, it sounds awful to even say those words. And further said, if a woman is a bitch, or hysterical, or bloody-minded continually, then I'd do it. Now, not one person will condone that as a comment. But I think a little context of this being 1965... Uh, attitudes to women being very different. Um, this is in Playboy as well. This is an atmosphere of locker room machismo, which is completely misguided and it's dated absolutely terribly and has got no place in any uh, context, both modern and historic. Uh, it's a wrong thing to say whenever you would choose to say it. But it's said in a forum that is entirely male-centric in the mid-60s. Uh, again, not defending it, just providing context. Um, we then move forward to 1987, an interview with Barbara Walters, which it appears that Sean actually doubles down on his statement from 1965. Um, in this instance, I watched the entirety of the interview. The interview is going one direction. It's very jovial until Barbara Walters, in you could construe, in a, she changes tack on him and she says you uh, did an interview in Playboy, and he laughs because, you know, he's like, ha-ha, yeah, Playboy, you know, that one. Um, and she says, but you talked about uh, uh, domestic violence issues. And she, he says his demeanour entirely changes, and it felt like a confrontation, this, that he'd been called out on something. And my impression of Sean Connery has always been that he's not following the mainstream at any point here to his own detriment because I think he totally rises to the bait and takes it in which he says I haven't changed my opinion if you've tried everything else and women are pretty good at this they can't leave it alone they want to have the last word and you give them the last word but they're not happy with the last word they want to say it again and get into a really provocative situation then I think it's absolutely right and the whole tone of the interview changed from that point what was a jovial sort of um chit-chat became much more of a confrontational thing. 
let's move forward to 1993. I'm just going to go through the bullet points of where this comes about. 1993, Vanity Fair confronted him again on this issue, and he's, his stance has changed. I was really saying that to slap a woman was not the crudest thing you can do to her. I said that in my book. Uh, he did a, you know, a, a biography at the time. It's much more cruel to psychologically damage somebody, to put them in such distress that they really come to hate themselves. Again, I don't really know <laughs> where he's going with that, but his position is, he's trying to, you know, he's not, I don't know whether he's trying to justify the position, but his position, he's trying to um, give context to the statements that he gave those years ago. Let's add that the, by this point, this is nearly 30 years since the original statement. And then in a 2006 interview with the Times, he states unequivocally, my view is I don't believe that any level of abuse against women is ever justified in any circumstances, full stop. So his attitudes have totally evolved over time. Um, mm. Even if he was just saying it in a, you know, I hate that expression, the locker room, the locker room atmosphere. You know, yeah, yeah, back in the, in the original Playboy interview. But 41 years later, he, his opinions obviously have come back round to something that is very acceptable. That, you know, of course it isn't acceptable, any level of abuse. His attitudes evolved. It took time. But... Um, this is, you know, they started in an era that none of us were a part of. There's also this issue that in Connery's, uh, sorry, in the case of Connery's first wife, Diane, um, is it Chilento? Is that how we say it? Chilento. Sorry, that's Chilento. Diane Chilento. Yeah, Chilento. Um, she claimed in her autobiography that it was abusive during the marriage. Um, I did a bit of digging on the in instance itself. It centres around an alleged incident in a hotel room during which she admits to being very drunk, that the room was dark and she felt an impact and she woke up on the bathroom floor um, and he was asleep in the bed. I'm not disputing or saying anything, I'm just reading out what she said. Connery has denied the allegations from day one. He said nothing ever happened there. Um, this is actually also the mother of Connery's son, Jason Connery who was at his bedside when he passed away and adored his father. Um, I, you know, anyone who lays a hand on my mum, I won't be at their bedside, uh, you know, looking after him. Mm. Um, I think this story is, I think he's dug himself a big hole. I think he dug himself a hole very quickly and um, through bloody-mindedness and pride, he probably dug it deeper. I don't know the exact answer to this, um, and I will never, ever defend the words that he said. No. But what I will do is say there is context to all of this. Um, and to to label him um, both a, um, a wife, well, you know, a domestic abuse advocate almost, I don't think is entirely correct. Forgive me for taking the airwaves for a bit there, gents. But I think it's really brave of you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. I think, I think that's great of you to bring that up, because, you know, we... We're in modern. <laughs> we're in a modern. Well, we're always in a modern society at any one point. But just right now, it is sensitive, and particularly on Twitter, you get the. I've seen. I think Stephen Carty, our friend Stephen Carty, said there are four stages when somebody dies. There's like the first one is complete adoration, then it's nostalgia maybe and looking at the films. Then it's oh, hang on, he said this, and then it's like oh, cancel them. Sometimes you know, or like that's it. Yeah, and all he said, all four happened within a few hours of him dying. Yeah. So you you get this is what you you're dealing with, and like you say, Rob, 
Thanks for going through that Thank in some you. detail because not everyone well, does. It, but people need to know. I yeah, they do. They need to know. I mean, yeah, there's there's not great stuff in there. No, there's not great stuff in there. But it, again, I don't like the expression. It's of a time, but it was mm. of a time. The, the what he said. Rob, uh, just asking out of it, uh, interest. Do you know the context in how that was initially brought up in Playboy? As in, do you know? Because it, it comes. It, I might be wrong. But obviously, Sean Connery is synonymous with a James Bond that hits women in a, quite a lot of his films. Mm. And you wonder if, like, it's been a leading question even to ask about his yeah, opinion I, with that. It's, again, not I to think, condone anything or anything of the sort. It's context, isn't it? It is. I think context is so important. and I think um, I've not been able to find... I tried to find a full transcript of the interview and I couldn't find it. Um, I was offered... Um, you know, like, in looking for it, I did manage to find an exorbitantly priced copy of the issue itself on oh, yeah. eBay. <laughs> but I'm not going to be doing that. I really want to own the copy of Playboy where Connery... Talked, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, advocates... for research yeah. purposes. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that... Um, in the interview, he's talking about violence generally, isn't it? He's, that's what he's talking about. Uh, so he's not talking about, you know, he's talking about hitting everybody. Yeah. You know, he's talking about like I would hit just, you know, I'd hit anybody, but I'd hit a woman differently. It's, yeah. it's part part of his argument here. Did he say, um, think, Rob, that he sometimes he says he denied saying those words? I, I've read that at some point. Well, I think because by the time it came around, I mean, the realization that oh my god, like something you've said in an interview will live with you. I mean, this interview from 65, where are we now? You know, 55 years later. Is that right? Is my math terrible? Or is it 65 years later? 65? No, it's it's 55 years later, isn't it? It's just... I think... He said something. He doubled down on it in a, a fit of... I don't think he liked being called out like that. You know, the interview, I've watched it a few times now. I don't think he liked it at all. His demeanour goes flat straight away. Um, and he looks her in the eye and says, you know, and that's no good either. There's there's no good coming from this. But, again, context. What I didn't like, though, was that this week uh, on the likes of social media, you had people doing, you know, like you get those motivational quotes, you know, like, and it's like um, ornate, le- ornate script, ornate font, with and then underneath a quote, you know, quotes to live by and whatever like this. And someone had put something like, you know, just before you, you know, just so that everyone knows what Sean Connery was really like. Uh, this is, you know, here's what he said about about women, you know, and it was something like, you know, in that fl- flowery te- text. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong about hitting a woman, Sean Connery. And it's just, it's totally devoid of context, but people will live and die by that. Yeah. They'll swear it's the absolute truth, and they think it's important to set the record straight, or at least give a flavour as to why that might have been said, rightly or wrongly. No, I was, it was just about that. It was, I, I, I was thinking similar to John, because it's often it's a bit of a different scenario, and you know, I'm not meaning to cause offence, but I, I always wondered, you know when Glenn Hoddle got sacked by... Yes, him, yeah. Because he made some you know, troubling comments about... Um, about disabled people, um, but obviously it wasn't that he just, you know, he's in the middle of a press conference and they ask him, you know, what formation you play. Yeah, before, before <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, presumably it, it was within a context or you know, and I'm not, I'm not excusing you. No, one minute, no. I'm just saying, 
you know, when you, when you just see a line like that, a bit like you just described, Rob, you know, being being sort of picked out like that. This is what he said, and it is, it, you know, I'm I'm not comfortable with what with what he said. No, well, none that. of us are. Not, not one of us is. But just when you throw it out like that, it, it's always going to cause even more. Of course, uh, but also let's not forget though that that comment was made in 1965. That exact comment that's from that little thing I saw, and then in 2006 he said that obviously he denounces any kind of abuse against women. What are we as a species if we can't learn, change, mm-hmm. forgive, move forward? What are we? Um, so in my mind, he said some terrible things. There are allegations that are unsub- you know they're unsubstantiated. The last word he said on this matter was that he denounces it all. You have to give a man a chance to change. There's also the argument that you separate separate the art from the artist. Yeah, absolutely, um, that's another one. So I, yeah. I, I'm happy enough at this point in time, as a man, a husband and father, to say that I can still appreciate Sean Connery um, and his um, contribution to the way I feel about Bond movies, <laughs> cinema and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think he said some bad stuff, but I think he learned from it. Because nowadays, if he'd said that now, or someone had found out that he'd said it and it was revealed now for the first time, he would instantly do a press release, wouldn't he? Denying it or saying, I, yeah. I've i never hit a woman, I've never said, I've yeah. changed my views. And people would still be like, oh, well, he's just he's just saying that, isn't he? He'd have to crawl out on Instagram and do it. Yeah, he would, yeah. <laughs> you know? And he hates interviews. He's not, there are very few interviews of him. Of course. He's a very private guy. You know, he retired 17 years ago. Yeah. He wouldn't even, like you said, he didn't come back from Indiana Jones. He came back from, from Russia with the game. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he was, he'd was he retired and he's just, he's not in it. He loved he loved the fame side of things in many ways, but yeah. he's not, it's a horrible phrase, you know, he's not a fame whore, is he? Like, we see that an awful lot no, with celebrities. No, no, no. not at um, all. I mean, this Barbara Walters interview was right next to a golf course because that's the only way they could do yeah. it. Yeah. He'd only do them in promotion. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to be allowed to grow as a person as well. Yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you for giving me that forum to talk about that because it's helped me organise my own thoughts on it. So it's great. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Rob. I've got you now. Well, enjoy yourself. Who are you working for? Empire Chemicals. You know that. Do all their people carry guns? When they're abroad, yes. And why were you snooping around the docks? I like ships. And I used to be a sailor. You are a liar. Do you know what this is? I'd rather not. Plastic surgeons call it a dermatome. They use it to slice off skin. I hope you won't force me to use it. What's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? I have a confession to make. What? Actually, I'm a spy. I know that. So, yes, you only live twice. I touched upon it a few times. People at this stage are saying he seems a bit bored, Connery. I think I think that's a bit harsh, personally. Like I say, the film is is less about him as Bond. 
it's more about everything else perhaps and you're right I think Math said it if he's done dear me between 1962 and 1965 he'd done four four films which is absolutely massive flying around the world doing all the promotion for it the premieres there mustn't have been anything like it at the time I know obviously in the sort of Hollywood that golden era of Hollywood they had they had contracts didn't they and they were sort of contracted to do films with say MGM or different studios and they almost owned you and I think there's part of that that firstly he wanted to try his hand at different things because he didn't want to be typecast which is understandable and secondly he wanted to, he wanted to be known as Sean Connery not just James Bond I've got yeah I think Michael Michael Caine who was one of his best friends he he said oh if if you talk to him in his spare time around about this time you like Bond you like James Bond he got really angry you know he just he just like fed up with it he <laughs> to people you know who knew him I mean like he he just wanted to get away from just being James Bond we've had a go we have had a go to be fair at Daniel Craig for sort of the you know rather slip my wrist comment and his defenders will say oh that was just a throwaway comment he didn't mean it and there was context which is fair which is fair again but the circumstances are so so much different back then he lived and breathed Bond. There was so much more pressure on him than there is for Daniel Craig. I mean, Daniel Craig gets co-producer credit, only has to do one every five years. He's getting paid untold millions. I mean, I mean Sean Connery was getting paid a lot of money by this time. Who knows? I mean, we wouldn't have got we wouldn't have got on the Manchester Secret Service, would we? So it's all worked out fairly well, really. Yeah, I, I really like You Only Live Twice as well. I really enjoy watching it, and there's loads of elements. It's really. I, I, you know, I think it's really nice to watch it's the the setting and, and everything and, and I think it is a bit less it is quite a bit of a departure if you jump from like Doctor No from Rush with Love straight to You Only Live Twice. Yeah. It's quite a departure there. And also physically he doesn't look as in good you know, he doesn't look in as good a shape as previously. And he does look a little bit older in his hair or or, or whatnot. So I don't think yeah, isn't as good as it Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, you know, I I, I do enjoy it. I, I can I can not that he's necessarily bored, but he's just he's not inhabiting the role as much as uh, him being Bond isn't as as front and centre maybe as you know Goldfinger or even yeah, Thunder yeah. even Thunderball. There was it's the first two year gap, wasn't it as well? So there was obviously partly the need to sort of have a break. <laughs> I mean that two year break now would be like. Goodness, hang on, we're nowhere near, we haven't even written the first script yet. You know, what's going on? I think, you know, like we've said many times, the, you know, back-to-back films, consecutive run, and all the media circus around it, naturally the fatigue is going to kick in mm-hmm. physically um, yeah. with him. And, you know, it's, that's very hard to hide. But you, you kind of, you've also got to remember where he's come from, this guy. He's not someone who's been born in Hollywood, but, you know, and been brought up, all set up for that kind of life. You know, he was an actor to be, to like, you know, he's in like a version, you know, he did some Shakespeare stuff with Macbeth and he, he does, you know, he wants to express that side of himself. And while he's trying to venture that way, he's going around the world globetrotting, you know, not having any kind of base. And even though it's quite, you know, on the whole, probably not that many years from that this run of consecutive films, it's such an intense time period for him. And... You, you do. I love you only live twice, and just like Matt said, John Barry as well. You know what a beautiful score to go with the scenery. But I, I don't. I think 
I think bored is unfair because that makes it sound like it's a conscious kind of decision of his not to put effort in. I, d- I just think he's he's a little bit tired, and you know, he's, in the story, there's kind of an army that helps him at the end. He can't he can't quite do it by himself, can he? You're, you're allowed a mission like that, and you're allowed a, a, a film like that where you just slow down a little bit and let let it carry you for a while. And the other thing is. Because he's so responsible for creating this character and making it such a worldwide phenomenon, at this stage he doesn't know that he might think that if he throws in the towel, then there's no more Bond. He might feel unbelievable pressure that he he is yeah. the only one who can yeah. be Bond and he's got to carry it for the rest of his life. Mm. All the other Bonds, like Daniel Craig, knows now that someone else can be Bond after him. He doesn't have to carry it for the rest of his yeah. life. At that point, Connery might have thought it all rests on his shoulders, and that would be a yeah. massive, massive burden for him to carry. Um, and I suppose it might have been that the, the producers around him might have been thinking, Sean, we need you to carry on. This we we are depending on you. There will never be another James Bond like you. And they might have been, you know, applying all kinds of pressures. Um, and again, putting it in that context of it, him being the first Bond who set everything up, it was all on him. So that must have really taken its toll on him. I re- really can't disagree with what you're saying. I mean, I, I've been mm, I've been one yeah. of the ones who is critical of Connery's performance in that, but with the context that you've said, absolute fair game, you know. My, my issue with it is, I, I'm, I'm a massive You Only Live Twice fan. I'm a, I'm a massive fan of all three of Lewis Gilbert's films. I love the big, campy, grand-scale nature that he goes for. I love I love that he, he wants a massive climax, a, a battle at every single one of his films at the end. And it built and and he builds them up well. I, I I'm a I'm a big big Gilbert fan. I think he builds them up really well. I suppose why I get frustrated with this is because because of how grand scale, how fantastical this film is, I want Connery to be on his A game. Because if he was on his A game, for me this would be like top three material. That's that's my frustration with this film because that this has. A glorious score. It has a phenomenal script by Roald Dahl in it. it. It's it's brilliantly directed. Gorgeous scenery, and 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 it's just that moment. You think, oh, it's the what if of it. Oh, if only Connery had pulled out a performance like Thunderball, the one before, and he wasn't fatigued. We'd be talking absolute gold standard film for me personally, anyway. Um, but having said that, he has great banter with like Tiger Tanaka in that film. It, there's, there's, gr- yeah, there's great rapport. So even Connery, who's not on his A game, he's still everyone's buzzing off him. He's still definitely, you can show that this is a talented, talented actor, no doubt about it. So if he was on his A game, it's top three. Because he isn't on his A game, it's top four. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, not by any no, stretch, unfortunately. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine, John. It's absolutely fine. Chris, just quick thoughts on you only live twice. I mean, we might, it might be years before we get to that review. I think in the, in the order I've got down, it's. I, I'd love to do it now, but I don't know. What do you What do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, there's some great stuff in there. It's not. It does feel a bit tired. I think uh, you know the, the the thing. Obviously, you know when you think of it, I'm always re- remembered. You know, obviously the volcano, the sets, 
the, the that, that I've referenced it a couple of times now that that we runs across the the, the rooftop, mm. you know, punching, kicking people, and the music plays. It's just, just the moments that are, that are pure Bond. As a film, it's not one of my favourites. Um, I, I just feel that that it is. Yeah, I think you do get the feeling that that Connery's a bit tired. I think it's. Obviously, there's not to mention the racism and the, you know the sexism yeah. that's in there yeah. is you know it's a bit uncomfortable, um, but yeah, it has and like obviously the, the score is is just fantastic. It's it's of 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 all it is, it's where I do feel when it's not cynical. I just feel like say there's there's the weight of. If I give this up, is this the end? And it's not just the end of the franchise; it's it's the end of you know a lot of people's you know livelihoods. There's a lot of people who worked on these films from the beginning, you know. Yeah, and and I think it's um, yeah, it's, it, it, it is a shame. There are moments, let's say that you know, obviously, you know, little Nelly and and like with all of the Bond films, when you just think about them, there's all these little beats where you think, oh gosh, it's fantastic. You go back and watch it again with. You know, with fresh eyes, and you think, "Oh, that's not that. Oh, that hasn't aged well." But if you try and step away from that you, you, and take it for what it is, and for, for, for you know when it was made, it's, it's it's a cracking film. It's not like you say; it's not not one of my favourites of his, but it's still worth watching and it's still worth revisiting. Definitely. That's it for part one of our tribute to Sir Sean Connery. In part two, we look at his last two films, Diamonds Are Forever and Never Say Never Again. And we also look at his films outside the Bond franchise. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.